the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Guys, we're having a lot of fun today talking on Skype, which is our normal communications protocol. Today we have, of course, with me and Randall, we have Stan Gordon. And we're talking to Stan using his old-fashioned landline phone. Is this a rotary phone too, Stan? No, it's just a standard phone, not a rotary. Okay. So it's just a normal touch-tone phone from the 1970s. That's what we got. That's still making them, believe it or not. I think they still do. Yeah, they now, do. Now, just to show you where the world is, Randall is the only person I know, other than the late Jim Mosley during his lifetime, who does not have a mobile phone. Randall, how did you avoid that thrill? I'm, uh, well, a lot like Stan. I've, I've got a landline. And uh, I think it goes back to when they started all the wireless stuff. I had a couple of jobs where I had to carry around a thing called a pager. You know, there's going to be a few people out there that remember what pagers were, but they would essentially buzz, and then you would have to find a phone and call the person and find out what they wanted. I really just didn't like this thing. I felt like it was a constant leash. To me, cell phones, although they're wonderful for so many other things, it still has that string attached. When I'm away from my phone, I don't like to be reached. I want not for people to be able to get in touch with me. So uh, so uh, that's it. Well, you do have voicemail. Nobody forces you to answer that phone. Yeah, that's what you think until you get one. And then you see how many people, you know, can resist that. Well, here... We have, I don't know about Stan, about his mobile phone, if he has one, but we do have a feature more and more of the companies have now, which protects you allegedly against spam calls. So I get a call from somebody saying, the company that handles your PC security is out of business. Well, I'm using a Mac, so I don't know what they think they're doing. I have fun with those people sometimes. But that's as far as it goes. Stan, do you have a mobile phone? Yes, we do. But you don't use that for this kind of communication? Most of the time it's more for family and other people I need to stay in touch with. But uh, I use it on occasion. It comes in handy at times. But, again, uh, it was something that took me quite a long time to I decided to uh, use that technology. But we have it. I remember, well, we don't want to get into that in terms of technology. I'll give you one more before we go. For the first time in probably 60 years, for the last few months, I have not had a wristwatch. Stan, do you have a wristwatch? Believe it or not, I do, but I also quite often look at the, the uh, clock on the telephone. Randall? Uh, my watch battery ran out about seven or eight years ago. So not only do I not have a cell phone, I don't have a watch either. And every once in a while, I'll ask someone, you know, what time it is or can I borrow their phone? And they, they look at me with like, you know, like, what, what are you, part of the unwashed masses, some sort of Luddite from <laughs> the, the caveman era? And I'm just like, no, that's just no. And then they'll kind of point to the phone or dig their phone out and, oh, it's, yeah. 
312. <laughs> you see, nowadays, more and more people actually have Apple Watches. An Apple Watch obviously isn't cheap. I think you can get like an older model for 199 The current one is 399 plus the fancy band or the larger, the larger model. But even people who are cashiers at the local convenience store have an Apple Watch. I don't. The new Apple Watch has ECG app, also blood oxygen level app. So it's a health and fitness device. I do not have one. The last watch I had cost me $12.88 from Walmart. The band broke. It would cost more to replace the band and to buy a watch. So what have I done? Who knows? Stan, welcome back. I know that you didn't plan on discussing watches or smartphones. You're here to talk about weird stuff. Am I correct, sir? That's right, but it's always fun to talk about other things as well. Well, speaking of weird stuff, you had sent me this press release a while back, and it's a good way to start because you've been watching the store in terms of UFOs and cryptids for many years now, that a record number of sightings occurred in 2019. And how does that compare to previous years? Well, I wouldn't say that it was the large numbers of reports, but it was the, the quality of the reports that we were getting in. So many of the reports coming in were, some were daylight sightings, many of them were very close to people. So we're talking Bigfoot sightings, various cryptid reports, UFO sightings, quite a number again in daylight. That's what was so interesting. And actually, you know, I get reports every year. My hotline's been open since 1969. It never stops ringing with reports. So between the, the email and the phone reports, I get them pretty often uh, receiving reports coming in of a lot of current incidents as well as many unreported past cases as well. But I receive sighting reports all year round every year. And even surprisingly, during 2020, with the fact that, uh, especially in my area here east of Pittsburgh, with the virus situation, a lot of people, especially in the early months, were not out that much, yet the reports were constantly coming in all year long. And there were some months that were a little busier than others, but once again, we've had some very interesting reports coming in, and it's amazing what people are seeing out there. You don't hear about it in the news because... Same thing I've been dealing with for many, many years. This year is 61 years of research. I've never seen a UFO or Bigfoot myself. I've interviewed thousands of people. I've seen a lot of interesting evidence out in the field, but I've never had my own encounter. But these incidents are going on year after year, and you don't hear about it very often in the news because most people, even today, want no publicity. Can you share a couple of these stories with you, a couple of these better cases that you've had come in recently? Oh, yeah, there have been many, many reports, and again, we can go back even further than that, but uh, 20, let's say 2018, 2019, um, a lot, again, a lot of UFO reports. I know we're getting a lot of reports of large cigar-shaped objects being seen in different areas, and um, some of these were in daylight, and, and a lot of these appear to be large, solid objects, not high altitude, but quite low in the sky, where people were able to get uh, you see significant detail. And we were getting reports from far away communities. So these are not just people just, you know, a mile or two away. Sometimes these are miles away. Uh, in October, up um, in Cambria County, 
Uh, we are getting reports around the South Fork area of large metallic cigar-shaped object with multiple lights on it, very low to the ground. And later that evening, uh, when we got another report uh, from the Nanigo area of them seeing a large cigar-shaped object that also looked metallic, was completely illuminated very bright, so the entire object was lit up. And seemed to be about 60 to 70 feet in length, was moving through an area of fog, but it began to suddenly fade out and just disappear. So it went from very bright to dim, then just vanished from sight. And there was uh, another report in August in daylight, a beautiful morning, uh, outside of the Pittsburgh area, and a uh, fellow looked up to see the silent object. In most cases, these objects have all been silent, no sound whatsoever. He sees this very long object, about 80 feet in length, moving very slowly. But he says as he's watching this thing that's hardly even moving, it suddenly begins to slowly fade uh, from the back end of the object and begins to extend towards the front of the object. But as it's fading, the whole object is disappearing, and finally it just vanishes and disappears. And that's something that I've been hearing more and more over the years. We'll get into more of these cases with Stan Gordon, our favorite UFO cryptid investigator from the wilds of Pennsylvania. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Hello, Paracast people. I'm Greg Carlwood, the host of the Higher Side Chats podcast, an uninterrupted and action-packed interview-based show where I talk to some of the brightest minds for our troubled times about all things paranormal, occult, esoteric, and conspiratorial. After 10 years, we've heard it all. Alien moon bases, archons, hollow earth, technocratic and biomedical agendas, magic, mind control, and Lovecraftian monsters. Oh my. Usually, the first hour of the show is free, and the second hour is for members who sign up for the Higher Side Chats Plus at $8 a month. But praise be, we're giving Paracast listeners two free weeks of Plus when you use the all-caps coupon code PARACAST. Go to thehiresidechats.com, sign up with the code PARACAST, and dive into the nearly never-ending archive of great interviews I've been lucky enough to get over the years, from David Politis to David Icke, and many, many guests not named David. Check it out. You're going to love it. All right, Jimmy, was that good? Can we use that one? Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services you can join for free by going to paranormaldate.com and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people use the code george for a substantial discount mark rawlings president of paranormaldate.com says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal the unexplainable or the afterlife and so much more and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest so sign up for free at paranormaldate.com paranormaldate.com and use the code george if you decide to connect with someone you like as dr wallach says we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances at no cost or obligation 
Get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. Here's a clip from the Rachel Ray Show testing the results of Instantly Ageless. Board certified dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bowe. If you're looking to try to turn back the clock on a budget, you know, in the privacy of your own home, but actually there's some recent technologies emerging, almost like changes the behavior of the skin right. while it sits on the skin. She went off to try a product called instantly ageless yeah instantly you could see a difference even the cameraman were like wow look at the difference yeah I mean, but i would definitely use this product this product within minutes of applying it it was actually a very dramatic rejuvenation try instantly ageless today at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com 30-day money-back guarantee and preferred price discount at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We return with Gene and Randall and Stan Gordon talking about significant UFO cases. And it was felt by many that the best cases were behind us years ago, but particularly in 2019, also 2020, Stan, you've got some pretty good cases there. Oh, yeah, there have been some very interesting cases. And actually, it goes back, you know, even to years before. You know, a lot of the really good cases that we used to hear about, I, I call them the classic UFO reports. So we're going back to the, the 50s and 60s and 70s, where we had reports of these very large structured objects that were seen uh, quite often close to the ground. You've heard reports of these things that were pacing vehicles and sometimes hovering over a vehicle and uh, the power would go out. Those type of reports were uh, very interesting. It seems though in more recent years, you rarely hear about this type of incidents. But indeed, those type of cases uh, do continue to occur. We've had some very interesting ones here in Pennsylvania. One of these cases occurred actually on the Chestnut Ridge in the Youngstown area, which is outside of Lake Trobe, Pennsylvania. And this would have been June, early June, June 4th, I believe, of 2019. And there were two people involved uh, traveling in a car. So it's a rural area. They're traveling uh, along the, the edge of the ridge. And I should tell you, the Chestnut Ridge... It's about 100 miles long. This mountain range extends through southwest Pennsylvania, through Westmoreland, where I'm at, Fayette and Indiana County, 
and extends down to Preston County, West Virginia, so it extends down past Morgantown, West Virginia. It is year after year active with UFO sightings, Bigfoot encounters, cryptid encounters, all kind of mysterious events you hear about from the paranormal people here about ghosts and hauntings up there, mystery booms, just all kind of weird phenomena goes on year after year. And uh, it's just amazing what goes on. I started investigating the ridge. I started hearing stories about the ridge 1960s. I remember actually I was out on an incident where there was, it was a daylight report that came in of this very large elongated object over top of the trees along a major highway, I believe it was 119, out around New Alexandria, Pennsylvania, and I went down to interview people around there, and I started going to different homes and interviewing people around there. And as I'm going around, different people started bringing up accounts that their friends or relatives had, and different people started telling me about incidents up on the ridge, which was only a miles away. And that's when I began to first document those reports. Well, I began to find there had been a long history of strange phenomena all along that area. Those incidents have gone on year after year. And I, I know in the past we've talked about the, the major 1973 UFO Bigfoot outbreak in Pennsylvania, which we can recall again because I'm sure many people never heard about it. It was the most amazing time to live through. It was lucky that I had my, my first of the three volunteer research groups already active and operational because what was about to take place nobody could ever imagine. And, and you got to remember this time period of 1973 and the 1974 when there's no Internet, there's no cell phones. So many of the reports were initially coming into the police departments and news media, and often they were referring the cases to my group to investigate. My first group, founded in 1970, was the West Warren County UFO Study Group. It was a small group I set up here in Greensburg, about 30 miles east of Pittsburgh. We moved into the Pittsburgh area. The group was an all-volunteer group. We all did it around our full-time jobs. But the group was kind of unique, and the majority of people involved were specialists. We had all types of scientists and engineers and technicians and all kind of research people. We had police officers and former military intelligence people. And, I mean, it was just amazing the type of people we had involved. Dr. Heineck would have called it the Invisible College because the high percentage of people that investigated with me kept anonymous because of their positions. I can tell you I had personnel from Westinghouse, from Alcoa, from Gulf, from a lot of major corporations. I had people from the colleges and universities. It, it was an amazing group. And we were responding to cases 24 hours a day. So many times we'd be on the scene of an incident within minutes to hours after it occurred. That's why we were able to document these cases so amazingly in great detail. That's when so many very strange and unusual things began to show up, both with UFOs and the Bigfoot phenomena. So first we had that major UFO outbreak that started in January of 1970 and basically continued to the last day of the year. There were hundreds and hundreds of UFO reports coming in. And many of these were not lights in the sky or high-altitude reports. Many of these, again, were low sightings, low observations, close encounter reports with very large structured objects. Many people would call them craft. Some of these were solid and metallic. There were triangular objects, big cigar-shaped objects, small objects emitting smaller ones. These things would pace cars. There were incidents on the turnpike. There were UFO landing reports, sometimes with physical traces. And back 
those days, the local media and even the national media was covering a lot of these reports. They were hearing some of the accounts. Uh, they were checking up on our investigations, covering some of the investigations. Some of those stories made national news. By 1975, well, actually, by 1973, we had extended to cover the whole state of Pennsylvania. We were busy investigating reports constantly. I mean, we could have done it as a full-time operation, but we weren't getting paid for it. It was an amazing time to go through, and that's when we began to notice some very strange oddities with the Bigfoot phenomena. Because in the summer of 1973, we had the largest outbreak of Bigfoot sightings ever documented. And that went on for months and months into 1974. And I can tell you there have been Bigfoot sightings reported in Pennsylvania every year since, including this year. Many of those sightings in 73, again, a lot of them were very close-range observations. They weren't something a mile or two away in the dark. Sometimes there was more than one creature seen together. In quite a number of instances, my teams would get to some of these locations, and there will be various types of physical evidence at the scene. It was a whole different time period. Quite often, even back then, the police departments, the state police would respond to some of these cases, or both of us would respond to them. It was just an amazing time period, and that's when we began to learn that there's a lot more going on than any of us understand. I wanted to go back towards more recent cases. You were mentioning there were cases, some involving the so-called interruption of cars. Let me tell you one, uh, and I'm going to try to find a report because it's so detailed, and I'll get that for you in a couple of minutes. That happened in 2019. But, okay, uh, just before we do that, we're going to, of course, have to break in a moment. So this would be a good cliffhanger, just like they do in the TV shows. The ones especially that had to end prematurely because of the pandemic. So we're just going to pause for the pause that refreshes and then get into more recent cases of so-called interference with cars. And I have a few questions to ask about that. We have Stan Gordon speaking from his secret lair in a cave in Pennsylvania. No, I'm joking about the secret lair. More to come with Gina Randall. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. You 
USA Radio News with Wendy King. As expected, President Trump has chosen Amy Coney Barrett. The president has nominated me to serve on the United States Supreme Court. If confirmed, I would not assume that role for the sake of those in my own circle. I would assume this role to serve you. I would discharge the judicial oath, which requires me to administer justice without respect to persons, do equal right to the poor and rich, and faithfully and impartially discharge my duties under the United States Constitution. I have no illusions that the road ahead of me will be easy, either for the short term or the long haul. I never imagined that I would find myself in this position. But now that I am, I assure you that I will meet the challenge with both humility and courage. This is USA Radio News. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has lifted all coronavirus restrictions on bars and restaurants. That means they can open at full capacity in Florida, and counties are virtually powerless if they want to impose local restrictions. If a local restricts between 50 and 100, they've got to provide the justification, and they've got to identify what the costs are involved with doing that are. Until this announcement, local governments could go further in their restrictions compared to the state. A dad in the Bronx is being hailed as a hero. USA's Ken Burns explains. He shielded his three small children from gunfire at a local car dealership. 39-year-old Anthony Jefferson was looking to surprise the mother of his kids with a new whip for her upcoming birthday. According to a GoFundMe page, he lost his job due to injuries from that incident. That fundraiser has raised well over $100,000 as of Friday afternoon. For USA Radio News, I'm Kenneth Burns. You're listening to USA Radio News. Today, many of us are paying attention to our health, and what we eat plays an important role. But so often, the water we drink is a mere afterthought when it should be a primary part of our daily nutrition. Real Water would like to change how you think about the water you drink and how it can play an important role in helping your body restore balance and reach its full potential. The key benefits of every bottle of Real Water are stabilized negative ions, balanced pH, detoxification, and it hydrates you like never before. And yes, it tastes great. Real Water is beyond alkalinity, and due to its proprietary process called E2 Technology, it's the only drinking water on the market that can maintain a stable negative ionization, which means real science in every bottle. Order your real water today and take advantage of special pricing for this audience only by calling 1-855-REALWTR or visiting buyrealwaternow.com. That's 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Order now. 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. So, 2019, Stan Gordon, you're going to tell us about a case involving interference with the operation of cars? magnetic effects involved in it, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, that's why I started to tell you about the Chestnut Ridge, because this occurred on the Youngstown side of Chestnut Ridge uh, in June of 2019. It was in the evening. There were two people traveling in a car uh, near the ridge area when the passenger in a car yelled out about one of those lights up there, and of course the driver wasn't looking up in the sky. He was watching the road, and that uh, passenger pointed out to the sky 
and that person was confused about what they were seeing. But she said it looked like a glass tube cylinder among bright lights that seemed to be covered with smoke or haze. The cylinder appeared to be attached to a large V-shaped object with several rows of different colored lights. That driver pulled the car over, stopped the car, and he took a look. And he was amazed when he looked up because he sees this odd configuration of lights hovering um, about 60 feet over the trees. He said it was a large V-shaped object with numerous small rectangular-shaped white lights, and those lights were glowing but would brighten at dimmer times, and he estimated there were maybe 50 or more lights, and he said the object looked to be about 40, 50 feet in length. And as I watched this, the smaller lights, above the smaller lights actually, were these four larger round lights that were orange and blue and red and green. And the brightness appeared pale compared to the smaller rectangular light. Those lights seemed to strobe from left to right. There was a larger light that produced a beam that was scanning the sky above the object. This thing was completely silent, made no sound at all. The driver lowered the window and continued to watch, and they were amazed because it was so quiet. And as they watched this thing, some odd things began to take place. He noticed it was as though the electronic system of the car was having a seizure. He said the radio was off at the time, but suddenly they began to hear an odd clicking sound from inside the vehicle, but they were unable to locate where that sound was coming from. They noticed that the dash lights were dimming on and off with the beat of the clicking. And the driver stated that soon afterwards he was having trouble, here we go again with his cell phone, dropping the signal several times. They continued to watch the object for a few minutes, but became pretty upset because it was so unusual. And he said, we were actually in awe. He said, I, we're just sitting there looking at this thing, didn't even think about trying to take a picture. And he said, the object was still hovering as they began to drive down the road about 30 miles an hour. But as they're riding down the road, about 30 seconds later, uh, after they left the location, a deer ran out of the woods in front of their car. Now, the driver was an experienced outdoorsman and hunter. And he said that deer just kind of stopped there and looked at them dazed and confused. He says moments later, another deer comes running out of the woods. They go down a road a short distance. A, a bird comes out of the woods flying on, hits their windshield, then more animals. And it was as though something was scaring the animals from the wooded air where the object was. So I just have one quick question about the car. What kind of vehicle was it? What year? I'd have to look it up. I can't remember offhand. I don't have that in front of me. The it reason I'm asking, of course, is that today, cars, electronics are all digital with very sophisticated computer systems. Cars yep. years ago, of course, were analog. And the question here is, does it make a difference when there's the factor of so-called interference from a UFO? That's why I asked. Yeah, and I can tell you of another case, one of my favorites, and I'd say in more recent years, goes back to 2013. Wait a minute, Stan. I was just hanging on the edge here where this, you were talking about this case, where this object seemed to be uh, frightening animals out of the forest to, to get away from this thing, whatever it was. Uh, what happened next? Did they just keep on driving and that was the end of the report or what? Yes, that's exactly what happened. They were frightened. They, they, they were leaving the area. That's why they left the area, because they were frightened by it. It was still there as they're riding down the road. And interestingly, I believe it was just a few months ago that I got a call from another person who told me, he said, I've been living with this for over a year, but he said, 
I, I saw that you had this incident reported, and he said, I am quite certain I saw the same thing, but I was a few miles away from there around the same time, but I believe I saw the same object hovering very low as well. So that was kind of interesting also. Now, we started off the show talking about people carrying cell phones, and, of course, they've got cameras. Some of these cameras are, you know, now they're getting up to 4, even 8K on some of these cameras. Didn't they get a picture or a video or something of this? I mean, if it was there for that long, they should have got something. You know, every case is different. Every person responds differently, whether we're talking about a, a close UFO sighting. They both told me, witnesses, that we were so transfixed, so startled, staring at this thing, we couldn't believe it. We were getting very unnerved by what we were seeing. He said, we didn't even think about taking a picture till afterwards. And you hear that from a lot of people. But I'll tell you also a couple things. One, yes, at times we do get some pictures in. We get some videos in. We do get some still pictures in on occasion of, of various phenomena, especially UFOs. But, you know, a lot of the digital cameras are not designed to really focus on objects in the dark at a distance. So sometimes you get an image, but there's a lot of distortion, and it really does give you a true image of what was seen. But on occasion, you get some interesting uh, images in. That's true. That seems to be a really common feature, though, of, of people that are UFO witnesses. They become... Uh, transfixed almost. There's this Oz factor that takes over. That's true. And I've heard that with both Bigfoot and either other cryptid reports and UFOs as well. But also another detail that's been coming up more and more in more recent years, even though I heard about this going back to at least the 1980s. So we're talking film cameras and now digital electronic cameras as well, that people have attempted to take pictures of both UFOs and Bigfoot or other cryptids, and the moment they try to take a picture, the camera malfunctions or the battery completely discharges, has no charge left in it. I remember a police officer telling me years ago, back in the 1980s, he got caught out to investigate an incident. He had a special camera they used for their investigation to work fine when he left his office, went out there to take pictures of the evidence and what was found. From, would not work whatsoever, got back to the office or worked just like new. But this is the type of thing that's going on more and more. I, I remember an incident just a few years ago that uh, one of my uh, research assistants and myself went up to investigate. Beautiful morning. This is way out in farm country. This is probably up at the Fayette County, Westmoreland line. This fellow's um, on his property. He's sitting by the window at the tables, drinking coffee. His dog's laying there with him. Everything's great. It's a beautiful morning, and suddenly it gets pitch black out, like there's a just a, a terrible storm that just suddenly appeared out of nowhere, which he couldn't understand. So he instantly grabs his fully charged cell phone and yells to his dog to come with him to come outside, and the dog refuses to go out, which was so odd for that animal. So the guy steps outside, walks out to his driveway, the sky is beautiful outside. Here's this huge, solid, completely black triangle object about 500 feet over top of him, just hovering there, making no sound. He grabs his camera phone to take a picture. He said that battery completely, instantly discharged, would not work whatsoever. He had other he had other uh, machinery and things on the property that also uh, had electronic uh, electromagnetic effects that they uh, failed at the time, 
And uh, so it was a very interesting case. So these are the type of things that go on. But what I, what I sort of mentioned to you, another one of my favorite cases in more recent years occurred on a major highway. So this is busy Route 30, about 25 miles east of Pittsburgh in North Huntington Township. And this involved a, a woman who was a complete non-believer in UFOs until this happened, and her three-year-old child. And it's around 10 o'clock that night, and they're pulling out of a convenience store. They're heading eastbound on Route 30, and the person's riding down the road and suddenly has to hit her brakes. Let's put the brakes on this segment. More to come with Stan, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial 
lifestyle bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware, not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients, American-made, with American ingredients, employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. We're back with Stan Gordon and Gina Randall, and Stan's telling us about this case involving these people in a vehicle. They put on the brakes, you said? They're heading down Route 30 eastbound on North Huntington Township. As the woman and her young child is driving down the road, she suddenly had to hit the brakes because about 150 feet away is this very large object hovering right over top of the highway. It was completely silent again, and it was about 60 feet above that section of the roadway uh, as she was watching it. She said this thing looked mostly rectangular and said it looked like a gondola of a blimp, but without the blimp. And she said it was a solid object that appeared to be uh, extend over the east and westbound uh, lanes of the highway. It was about 55 feet long, about 35 to 40 feet high. It was a two-tiered object. said the top section was made up of five sets of green lights. These individual, three individual lights were rectangular, uh, they were evenly spaced in a vertical position, and the lights were all steady with no blinking. This witness said the green was brighter than the green of a traffic light. The bottom section was smaller, contained within the two long solid red lights were placed side by side. The two lights were steady and never blinked. Gave the impression uh, to the witness that they looked like brake lights, but they were huge. The witness uh, was on the cell phone at the time, and she was telling the person about what was going on. Her young child yells, Mommy, flying iPad in the sky. Kind of interesting response. But anyhow, as she's moving uh, towards this object, she has to pass underneath it to get to her home. So she goes underneath it. She loses her cell phone signal. The digital displays on her vehicle all um, suddenly go out. She, the, the clock, the temperature status, the airbag status, the radio was on. It lost its radio signal. The cell phone again lost its signal. She attempted to take a picture with her iPhone, and the camera function would not let it go into the camera function mode. 
as he rides down the road about a quarter, half mile, a quarter mile away, all the electronics came back on the normal. And her car, and I don't have it right on me, but the car was not very old, but she told me ever since that night the car never functioned properly again. That was a very interesting account. This is really bizarre because it, it reminds me of a really curious passage in uh, the instruction manuals that I started seeing when the digital effects started coming out for musicians. I, I played in some alternative bands, and I, I still dabble in music to this day, but there's this part in it, and it says, this device complies with Part 15 of the FCC rules and the ISED's RSS standards. Operation is subject to the following two conditions. This device must not cause harmful interference, and two, this device must accept interference received, including interference that may cause undesired operation. Now, why would they have that? Doesn't that just seem a little bit strange and coincidental? And again, I didn't hear what type of device it was on. I missed that. It's in pretty much anything. They call them Class B computing devices. So it, this is probably you've got the same conditions with phones, pretty much any kind of digital technology these days that's uh, consumer grade. So unless it's uh, hardened, like militarily hardened and shielded, these devices have to be made to accept interference that could cause them to stop working. Yeah, and I believe uh, some type of uh, wordage similar to that has been on other type of radio communication equipment going back years and years ago. I'm, I'm pretty certain it's very similar type of language. But, yeah, I mean, there are these electromagnetic effects that do show up with not only UFOs, but with other phenomena as well. And, you know, my, my focus in more recent years has been a lot on the cryptid and the Bigfoot cases in Pennsylvania. And I, I started just briefly mention about the wave of 73 when we just began to realize that there was a lot stranger aspects of the Bigfoot phenomena than any of the people in my team or myself had ever imagined before. Because, you know, when I got involved in this, I've been out in the field since 1965 investigating cases. I was familiar with the Bigfoot stories in Pennsylvania and around the country because they go back a long time, back to the Native Americans in the state. There are numerous newspaper accounts from the 1800s that talked about the wild man of the forest. They didn't call it Bigfoot back in those days. So, I mean, it's not a new phenomenon. But as all these reports are coming into us from many different resources in 1973, and again, no cell phone, no Internet, it was a whole different time period back then. A lot of these people who had no way of knowing each other and knowing the other details about what was going on were, one, very shook up, had no idea what was going on because it was so strange what they were experiencing, and they were giving us those little details that were so similar. But one of the things that began to come to my attention and my teams when we get out to some of these locations, within sometimes, again, within minutes to hours, so all the data and all the evidence was fresh, we see footprints. We see trails of tracks sometimes, three-toe tracks, five-toe tracks, under different types of ground conditions. Even in the wintertime, you'd have trails of tracks. But interestingly, in some of these cases, these tracks would go a distance, have a, a long stride between them, and suddenly stop, vanish, and disappear. 
and I can tell you, there was no way under the conditions we found them, it could have been fabricated. I mean, I had forensic people in my group, police officers and anthropologists. There's no way it could have been fabricated. And that's still going on. I mean, the last couple of winters, we've gotten, we have a great video, a, a, a person sent to us. We have photographs of the same thing, people reporting in different areas of large footprints and even in heavy snow that suddenly stop, vanish, and disappear. And that's just one of the oddities. I can tell you about many more. Well, that, that happened, that exact thing happened to my older brother and his wife uh, when I was just a young kid here in Calgary. Well, they were up uh, on uh, what they call Nose Hill here in uh, in Calgary, just uh, overlooking the city and, and spending some time together. They had the dog with them, and they said that this Hulk-like thing came up over the hill running towards the car. And it had its head down and didn't see them there because the car was all blacked out. And uh, they saw it, though, and the dog saw it, so they cracked the door open and let the dog out. And as soon as that happened, it stopped, and it noticed them, and it turned around ran the other way, and the dog went after it. And then it went down into a gully and where it got to this barbed wire fence, and then they caught up with the dog, and the dog was just, where is it? It's just gone. The tracks, there was some fresh snow, just like you're saying, nothing. They just stopped and disappeared, like as if this thing maybe jumped over the fence or something, but must have landed like 100 feet away because there was no tracks, nothing, just vanished. And that, again, is going on more and more. And, you know, and I'll tell you about some of the oddities and why I came to the conclusion, um, or at least an open-minded possibility, that as strange as it sounds, and, and I'll tell you some of these details, and it's not just me that's finding these reports either. I but started writing about my findings back in the 70s, and there was a lot more ridicule back in those days than there is today. But um, just as you mentioned, I, I found out because I was com communicating back then with researchers across the country and around the world and found out that many of the unusual things I was finding was taking place far away throughout the country and other parts of the world. But people weren't talking about it because it was so strange and unusual. First of all, one, the UFO community, especially back then, did not want to associate UFO sightings with Bigfoot. And vice versa, the people in the Bigfoot community didn't want to connect Bigfoot with UFOs. My my position always was, here's what we're finding, here's what we're documenting. I don't have the answers, but I'm just putting out there for people to make their own judgment, and maybe we'll get some more input from other sources. And over the years, that's exactly is what has continued. And in the last few years, I'm hearing more and more reports of the same type of strangeness with the Bigfoot phenomena from all over the country and other parts of the world. And more and more people now are beginning to talk about it. I've been doing many, many radio interviews, especially over the last year, and it's just amazing the response that we're getting from this. And numerous other researchers are, are now beginning to talk about it. There's a number of new books out covering exactly the same subject. I've been writing about it for many, many years, and it's getting a lot more serious attention. There's a lot of things out there we just do not understand. This well, sounds to me like also a one-size-fits-all thing that all this phenomena has some relationship to one another. we got a lot more to come with Stan Gordon. And hopefully he'll have a little extra time to spend on After the Paracast. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast.
you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you or a loved one is a survivor of abuse by Boy Scouts of America representatives as far back as the 1970s, we urge you to speak up. We'll stand with you and get you the help and financial compensation you deserve. A jury in Portland, for example, awarded $18.5 million in punitive damages in one Boy Scout sexual abuse case. The Boy Scouts of America filed for bankruptcy, and funds have been set aside to compensate those injured. Time is limited, and so are the funds. Call today. Don't wait. For free information on how to file your claim, call All Survivors Advocates right now. We have a long track record in helping our clients get the legal justice and compensation they deserve. Please, we are ready to help you. Call today. 800 364 2984. 800 364 2984. That's 800 364 2984. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We continue with Stan Gordon, crack investigator from. But way back east, in the wilds of Pennsylvania, you don't work out of a bat cave, do you? <laughs> Not that I've noticed, but uh, I've been in a lot of caves and mines looking for evidence of Bigfoot, especially during the 70s, you know, when we had have sightings in certain areas. If there were nearby caves, my team would go in there and look for evidence. And we never found any evidence that these, whatever they are, these creatures were staying or living in there. They may have gone in there temporarily, but there was no evidence any of these creatures were staying in any caves or mines in the area. Well, There's certainly no you didn't find any deeros there. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Okay, shaver mystery, deeros, you didn't find any, oh, okay. I'm sure. No, nothing like that either. But there's a lot of interesting stories with uh, caves and mines going back many, many years as well. Give you a little more about some of the oddities we found in 73. We just told you about the, the disappearing footprints, and that, again, is still ongoing. But one of the first things that we noticed, a pattern that we noticed back then was, one, we'd have a UFO sighting in a certain location. And within a short time, within minutes, hours, to days later, we'd have a Bigfoot sighting there, or vice versa. And then we had incidents, very well-documented incidents, with Bigfoot and UFOs seen together at the same time and place. 
And that's when we began to really scratch our heads like, what is going on here? This is something I was not looking for. None of my team was looking for. We thought Bigfoot was an unknown primate, an unknown animal. And the more we looked into the reports and the more reports we were getting, we began to realize something is going on here. Uh, would you like me to give you some examples of some of the cases? Absolutely. All right. So September of 73, one of the cases that stood out, north of Pittsburgh, we get a report that two young women were outside in the country waiting for a friend to come by to take them somewhere. While they're standing there, this large seven, eight-foot-tall, hair-covered creature with white hair. Now, you don't commonly hear about the Bigfoot with white hair, but you do get those reports on occasion. So this thing is running across the road towards the woods, which is fascinating enough, but in one of its hands, it had a glowing ball of light. And soon after, this large object came across the sky and projected a beam of light into the woods where the creature ran into. Well, that caught our attention, among others. Another case, uh, this would have been in Westmoreland County here. This was a wife of a prominent doctor back in those days. She observed uh, in her area a large black triangular object hovering over the area. About the same time, she smelled this terrible putrid odor, she said, like sulfur, rotten eggs that she never smelled before. A few hours later, down the road, she hears gunshots. When she went to try to find out what the gunshots were from, she found out her neighbor went out to the back to see what was upsetting their dog to see this large, hairy Bigfoot was chasing after the dog, so the fellow grabbed his rifle and shot at this thing as it ran off into the woods. So we thought, well, that's pretty interesting. You have a UFO sighting, then you have this Bigfoot sighting in the area. Well, more and more reports began to come in. And then we had the case of all cases. And, again, we could we could talk for hours just on this particular case and the strangeness of it. The, the basic part of the story is this. October 25th, 1973, up again, up in Fayette County. I'm sure you'll hear me mention it quite often. Up along the Chestnut Ridge in that area, uh, I get a call from a state trooper from the Uniontown Barracks. He just came back from investigating this incident. It was a multiple witness UFO landing. And it got much stranger. And he said to me, he said, I just got back from this incident. He said, I think there's a good chance there's something still up on the farm, up in the pasture. Can you get a team up here as soon as you can? Well, we did. It was late in the evening. We got our equipment together. We got our team together. We got our radios and radiation gear and other equipment. And we found our way up to Fayette County. And we met with one of the prime uh, witnesses at that point and later another relative and I believe a few others that night. And, of course, uh, over the next few days we interviewed multiple people. There were about 15 people involved in this incident around 9 o'clock that night. It's a, a farming community. They observed this object. It's about as big as a barn. It's this very large red round spherical object about 100 feet off the ground slowly moving down towards the farm. Well, I always focus a story on the prime witness. I call him the prime witness. He was the son of the farmer who was coming out to visit his dad on the dad's property where this was happening. He's riding down the road, and he sees people standing outside looking at this thing, and he sees it coming down. And so he decides he's going to go up to a neighbor's house, which is uh, higher up on the hill to get a better look at whatever this thing might be, and he and two of the neighbor boys, they watch this thing coming down that looks like it's going to land on his dad's pasture. 
So they decide, we're going to go up and see what this thing is. They stop over at his dad's farm before they go up to the pasture, and the older fella grabs a thirty odd six with a handful of ammunition. He didn't realize till later that in that handful of ammunition he had two tracer rounds. When you fire those tracers, you just get that luminous trail. Anyhow, as they're riding down the, the farm road, the dogs around the area are just going crazy barking. They hear this loud, high-pitched whining noise and these loud baby crying sounds. And they're getting louder and louder as they get closer to the area. Uh, they're in a, a truck. They kind of angle the truck so they can have the, the headlights on to see their path up the hill to go to the pasture. But as they're looking at this, it looks like something's draining the power from the headlights that they had never seen happen before, like it was losing power. And they walk up to the hill, and they get up there to the pasture, and they're standing there in amazement. About 250 feet away, this object is now on the ground or right above it. And they said it was not a complete sphere now, it was like a half a sphere, like a big white dome, about 100 feet or so in diameter, illuminating the whole area, making that loud whining noise. They just can't figure out what this thing is. They can't believe what they're observing. And as they're watching this object, about 75 feet away, there's a barbed wire fence. Well, that's what drew their eyes over, because along that barbed wire fence are these two tall, bipedal creatures covered with long, dark, matted hair hanging off the body. They're moving in their direction. The one in front is the largest creature. It's about eight feet tall. The one behind is about seven feet tall. They're walking upright. They're covered with long, dark, matted hair. They have no neck. They have large, luminous, glowing green eyes. Their arms are so long they're hanging down almost to the ground. They're moving very stiffly, one behind the other. Well, the one boy sees this, and he runs out of the field very, very shook up. The other younger fellow yells to the older guy, shoot him, shoot him. So that guy takes his first shot, which was a tracer. That tracer just gave it that luminous trail. He fires his second shot. It's the second tracer. But this time it's different. When he fires that second tracer, the largest of the two creatures leaves out this loud whining cry, raises his one hand and reaches out as if to grab that tracer. And the moment it does that, the large object in the field vanishes and disappears. It doesn't take off and rise from the ground. It just vanishes from sight. All the luminosity, most of it is gone. The loud whining noise is gone. The creatures turn around and start walking back slowly along the fence line back towards the woods. At that point, the guy's firing live ammo from his 30 6 at the creatures, manually aiming at the largest creature. And he said to me, he said, I'll never forget how that big creature with his glowing green eyes just kept staring at me as I'm pumping live ammo into it and has no effect on them whatsoever. The shorter part of the story is, once again, they ran back to the truck, they went to the farmhouse, they told the family what happened, they took him to the neighbors, and they called the state police. And when the officer arrived 45 minutes later, the, the main witness said to him, he said, look, just forget about it, you're going to think I'm crazy. And the trooper said, I have to interview you, I have to get the report. We had a report of two similar creatures on the mountain the night before, I need to go up to investigate. So they went up in the police car, the troop car, up into the field to look for evidence, and the trooper told me, he said, the area where the object was on the ground was self-luminescent and glowing. 100 feet or more in diameter. We're going to glow with this announcement. More to come. 
with Gene Randall and Stan, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Fifth Season Financial is a licensed lender, not available in all states. Visit fifthseasonfinancial.com for details. Are you or a loved one suffering financial hardship as a result of an advanced stage illness like cancer, Alzheimer's, or ALS? Are the financial side effects of your medical fight reducing your quality of life and causing stress and worry? Did you know that you could be eligible for a special loan to access funds locked up in your life insurance policy? Text the word LIVE to 411411 now. Fifth Season may be able to help you address your financial needs through our Funds for Living program. This simple-to-use program helps you access value that is locked up in your life insurance policy by lending you money against the face amount of your policy. This loan is not like other loans where you need to make monthly payments, and it only gets repaid out of the proceeds of the life insurance policy. Visit FifthSeasonFinancial.com slash radio and get approved quickly. If you need financial help, have an advanced stage illness and a life insurance policy, text LIVE to 411411. Text the word LIVE to 411411. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 
This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, we're glowing one more time with Stan Gordon. Go ahead. All right, so the trooper's up there. They're looking around for evidence. He sees a self-luminescent glowing area, very large, about 100 feet or more in diameter, he told me. He said he noticed the farm animals wouldn't go near it. He said that he aimed his flashlight beam into it and could barely see the beam. And he said, he said, if I had a newspaper, I could have sat down within that glow and read the newsprint from the glow coming off the field. And they looked around for a little bit. They decided um, to go back to the barracks. I was told when they went back to the state police barracks, both the, the witness and the trooper were separately taken to two separate rooms. They were separately interviewed. And then they, they called my team up to up, come up to investigate the incident. There was a lot of other things when later on it, very, it, it gets more and more complicated. But that was the case that convinced myself and my team that we're dealing with something that's much, much stranger. And as the days and weeks went on, the cases got even much, much stranger from widespread areas. And then we began to have some even the most unusual reports which began to give us clues as to why we may not have any bodies of Bigfoot. And for a lack of a better term, as I say often, reluctant as I am to say it, the data we're seeing more and more is that we might be dealing with something that's interdimensional, that has a physical and a non-physical component to it. It comes in and it goes. It can leave evidence at times, and it's gone. And we're seeing more and more cases, again, not only in Pennsylvania, but around the country and around the world, which highly suggests that at least some Bigfoot creatures may not be a normal flesh-and-blood animal. In November of 73, up in Fayette County, again, up in the, along the mountains up there, in this particular area, and I'll tell you about the case afterwards that was the convincing case to me, uh, a fellow was hunting one night. He had his hunting dogs. He had a lot of property up there, way, way off the main roads. And it was getting dark, and he sees this figure way ahead of him, he, and he thought it was a person on his property. So he yells out to him and says, what are you doing on my property? There's no response. As he gets closer to what he thought was a person. He realized this was a large, upright, hair-covered creature. He grabbed his pistol and started shooting at it. He said he knew he hit it, and he said it physically disappeared, but he could still hear it running away. We thought that was pretty interesting. So February 6, 1974, up in the same general area. I bet you uh, guys will probably remember the time period. Well, here in the United States, you remember the time period. There was gas rationing going on. There was a big national trucker strike. There was violence across the highways in the country. Back in Pennsylvania, the National Guard and the state police were patrolling together. So you had members of both units that actually responded to this case. 
I wasn't able to get up there the next morning because I couldn't get gas where I lived. Anyhow, the story focuses on this woman who lived in this cabin home deep in the mountains. She had lived there all her life. She knew animals very well. She was a very good shot, and it was a normal evening. And she's sitting there watching television when she hears this noise, this ruckus on her little front porch like something was knocking pop cans around. Well, her first thought was that a few weeks before there was a pack of wild dogs came through her area. She figured the dogs are probably back, so she thought, you know what, I'll just grab my shotgun and I'll fire over their head and scare those dogs away. So what she does, she grabs her shotgun, loads one chamber. She um, takes the weapon with her and goes over and turns on the switch for the outside porch light. She walks over and opens up the front door and steps out. And right there in front of her is no dogs, but maybe two to three feet away is this huge, at least seven-foot-tall, hair-covered creature that rose up its hands, its arms straight over his head the moment the light came on. Her reaction is, what does she do? She fires right into it with her shotgun. She said there's this brilliant flash of light, like the flash on a camera, and this creature physically disappears right in front of her. But that's not the end. Her in-laws lived 100 feet away. They heard her fire the weapon. They called her, asked her, what did you shoot at? She tried to tell them. So her son-in-law grabs his weapon, his pistol, starts walking up that dark road. As he got closer to the house, he said he's surrounded by four or five hairy people with eyes like coals of fire. Starts shooting at them as he runs into the cabin. And about that same time, they see this large Christmas ornament-shaped object over the woods hovering at the same time. And that's when they called the state police. Well, I talked to the primary investigator, and he said by the time they found where it was up in the mountains, whatever was going on was gone. But he said something very strange had gone on up there. And he told me, he said, so when I got up there, I interviewed, he said, I remember two of the women. He said they were both very sincere, both very, very scared. The one woman, he said, was extremely shook up and very, very scared. But he said... When I got there, he said, there wasn't a sound. There were numerous animals, numerous dogs on the property, horses, cattle, cats in the house, a baby in the house. He said, everything was just quiet. He said, those dogs wouldn't move. I think one was an Eskimo Spitz, one was a German Shepherd. One of those dogs was in a cage, and he said, that dog didn't move, wouldn't make a sound. He actually opened the cage and tried to pull the dog out, and the dog didn't even move. He said something really odd happened based on animal reactions. When I got up there the next morning, we were welcomed by all the dogs barking. Everything was back to normal. And I remember um, the people telling me they had a, a young baby in the home, and they said that night was the only night ever that that baby cried and cried and carried on for hours. They had never seen their child act like that before, nor had they ever seen their animals react that way before. And that's very, very common that in many cases with Bigfoot, even the most ferocious dogs, when these creatures are very close to them, they're like paralyzed in fear. They shake, they cower, they hide, they cry, they won't move sometimes, they won't eat right for two or three days later. That's very, very common with many reports. So that was the case, among others, that gave us some indication of why we may not have any bodies of these creatures. And there's been more and more incidents uh, going on that indicate something similar over the years.
So what exactly? Okay, this this is really interesting. What exactly are we suggesting here? I mean, I, first of all, I really just absolutely love that you came on the show and started talking about this because we've had other people who are into cryptids, Bigfoot, and so on. And I've always asked them, you know, what kind of connection do you see with UFOs? Some of them say, well, there's, you know, there really isn't that much of a connection. Others will go, yeah, sometimes there's a connection. But I feel like we've just hit the jackpot here. Like, um, there's no question there's a connection. And we also ask guests about this sort of a unified field theory of paranormal phenomena. And, because it, it all points to it, just like you're saying. It's something alien, and I don't think there's really any question about it. Well, once again, you know, when we term, use the term alien, that doesn't necessarily mean extraterrestrial. You know, I've been saying years and years ago when I started writing about these subjects back in the 70s, I am not suggesting that Bigfoot is riding around a passenger inside of a, of a spaceship from another planet because we don't know what the UFOs really are. Let's focus on that in our next segment. Stan Gordon, Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNlife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNlife.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump has nominated Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. He made the announcement from the White House. She spoke of the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I will be mindful of who came before me. The flag of the United States is still flying at half-staff in memory of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg to mark the end of a great American life. Justice Ginsburg began her career at a time when women were not welcome in the legal profession. But she not only broke glass ceilings, she smashed them. For that, she has won the admiration of women across the country and indeed all over the world. Particularly poignant to me was her long and deep friendship with Justice Antonin Scalia, my own mentor. She meant to say poignant. This is USA Radio News. One million is a terrible number, and I think we need to reflect on that. Dr. Michael Ryan of the World Health Organization speaking about the world's death toll from COVID-19. It's another grim milestone as the U.S. has reached 200,000 deaths from the virus only a few days ago. According to John Hopkins University, the United States also now has 7 million confirmed cases. 
While the vaccine is considered crucial to flattening the curve, the WHO's Bruce Aylward says it's vital people realize the tools exist to contain it. If we start thinking about it as a function of the vaccine, people will unnecessarily and unacceptably die as we wait for a vaccine. Demonstrations continue in Louisville, Kentucky, calling for justice for Breonna Taylor. Taylor's family is demanding the release of all body camera footage, police files, and the transcripts of the grand jury hearings that led to no charges against the police officers who killed Taylor during a raid at her apartment. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they are able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Stan Gordon joining us, and he's focusing here on, I guess now looking at answers, you don't think Bigfoot is riding a spaceship, although he would become... Chewbacca. Well, again, uh, you know, a lot of people have different interpretations of these type of reports. I'm not suggesting that Bigfoot, uh, once again, is associated with a spaceship from another planet. We don't know for sure what the UFOs represent. I've seen years ago indicates that we may be dealing with more than one origin to the unknown category of the UFO phenomena. You know, when I started this so many years ago, back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, a lot of the people in the UFO field were very much convinced that the UFO phenomena was extraterrestrial. This is all we were dealing with. But the more I look at the data, and I know others as well, it may be there's more than one origin to the unknown category. We just really don't know. Yes, I'm seeing a lot of similarities and correlations that it may well be that a lot of the phenomena we're dealing with from UFOs and Bigfoot and cryptids and a lot of people I know working in the paranormal with ghosts and apparitions, there's a lot of similarities with a lot of these type of reports. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you, and I've talked about this in many of my lectures for a long time, what I found going back to at least the 70s, that many low-level, close-range UFO encounters and many encounters with Bigfoot and other cryptids occur in the vicinity of high-energy sources. So you've got many, many cases around high-tension power lines and power plants and gas lines and gas wells, oh, geez, radio towers, cell phone towers, windmill farms, reservoirs, um, 
rivers, railroad tracks, goes on and on and on. I, without any doubt, feel that there is a definite association with high energy sources and the phenomena we're dealing with. Once again, there's more and more indication that we're dealing with something that has both a physical and a non-physical component to it. I think we're dealing with something right now that is so beyond our present scientific understanding that nobody knows what's going on, including the government. Well, I mean, we could, I think, in theory, explain a lot of it with something that we could imagine as being possible and not too far beyond our technology. But I have to agree with you, too. Like when we say alien, when I use the word alien, I don't use it synonymously with extraterrestrial or interstellar. I just mean it's not from our normal experience, for one thing, and it's not something that is normally found in the environment in which it's experienced. In other words, you might be able to wander around in that patch of the woods for 15 years and never experience anything because it just doesn't seem to be there. But then you'll have this experience. It will be completely alien to your experience and something that just isn't found there. It's not like you can go out bird watching and go, oh, you know, there's a Bigfoot over there. It's hanging out in the tree. Yeah. Something else has been going on. And again, in the last several years, and I'm hearing this not only in Pennsylvania, but throughout the country from many other researchers and people in the Bigfoot field, a lot of Bigfoot investigators have been going out looking for evidence of Bigfoot or trying to see a Bigfoot in areas that have a history of Bigfoot sightings in their state. They're Most of the time, they're not finding any Bigfoot evidence, but they are encountering these strange, small spheres of light or other type of light phenomena in those areas, and that's going on more and more. And I'll give you another example of another incident that happened outside of Pittsburgh in May of last year, 2019. This was early morning hours. Man lives out in the country, happened to get up and looked out the, the kitchen window towards the back, towards the woods, and he sees a small Bigfoot, about four and a half to five feet tall. Yes, we get reports of smaller ones as well. And he said this thing was covered with long, dark hair. I was walking upright on two legs. The arms extended almost down to the knees. He could see the arms swinging as it moved across his yard. And he said it moved into a one particular part of the woods. He said only maybe three seconds later at the exact same spot where it entered the woods, a bright sphere of light about three to four inches in diameter suddenly appeared. And he said it was similar to looking directly into the front of a flashlight. It was only about four feet off the ground. And he said the light made a short move about a short distance or about three seconds and disappeared. And about four to five seconds later, the light reappeared again about ten feet away. But this time the small sphere emitted a bright beam of light. And that beam extended out to about ten to twelve feet. It was there for a few seconds, then it vanished, and nothing was seen again. And I can tell you in in the last couple of months from the same area, other people were calling and reporting screams and howls and whoops like they've never heard before, tree damage, a lot of things that we've been hearing all over western Pennsylvania for the last few years. But something else I've been involved with, which might tie into this, and this is something a lot of people don't talk about or don't even know about, because when you're thinking about the UFO phenomena, people are talking about generally these, these large objects or unusual lights in the sky, but I'm discussing now what I call the mini-UFOs that I started investigating back in the 1960s. And these reports continue to occur year after year. 
And they're very, very fascinating because these objects are only about an inch or two in diameter up to about one to two feet in diameter. So they're quite often spherical, but they're not always spherical. There have been some other configurations reported as well. What's really fascinating is that whatever these things are, now some are just bright light sources of different colors, some are solid and metallic in appearance, but they come very close to people, and they generally, you know, when they get very close, they'll move away. I've had people tell me it was so close they could have reached out and touched it, but they weren't about to touch whatever these things were. It's I've not the yellow pages. Not. They can't reach out and touch it. I wanted to interrupt with a quick question here. It sounds to me almost like these are alien drones rather exactly. than tiny ETs. Yeah. Years and years ago, when I started investigating the reports, one of the theories was that these could be some type of remote probe that could be sending back some type of data to a, a larger craft in the area. That was just a theory. I'm not so sure about that anymore. I don't know what the answers are because there's a lot more strange aspects to a lot of what we're talking about. If I hadn't been involved in this, I have, if I hadn't talked to so many people who don't know each other, and I deal with this all the time. I mean, on a regular basis, I've interviewed, I don't know how many witnesses in the last few days that have just amazing stories to tell. And none of these people have ever gone public. And the people are calling me. I mean, I get calls from people from all walks of life, men, women, children, you name it, educators, police officers, hunters, outdoorsmen. 99% of them want no publicity. Most of them never believed any of these reports. They didn't believe in UFOs. They, a lot of them for sure did not believe in Bigfoot until they had their own experience. And let me tell you, these people's lives, in many cases, are dramatically affected and changed. I mean, there's some of these people I'm still in touch with from 20, 30 years ago. And even today, they still can't deal with what they saw. They know it happened. They just can't understand it. It's just amazing how people's lives are affected by these type of reports. Let me ask you something, because I haven't been quite as dug into the whole thing as you, but I have been interested in it for a long time since I was young, and I've talked to a lot of people as well. And one of the things that I've noticed is that if you ask someone just sort of straight out and, like, have you ever had something strange happen or have you ever seen a UFO, mainly I'll start off with that, I'm pretty good at getting people to open up. And what I've found is that even if they haven't, seen one themselves, virtually all the time, with very few exceptions, a very small percentage, haven't got anyone else that hasn't seen one. In other words, even if you haven't seen one yourself or the person you're asking hasn't seen one themselves, they'll go, well, I haven't, but I know somebody who has, which means there's only one degree of separation between just about anybody you ask and somebody who's seen something, which really, you know, is that, are you finding the same thing? Oh, I've been finding that for years. I mean, I've been giving lectures on this since I was in high school. And, I mean, the last few years, except, of course, this year, because of the virus where all my events were canceled, I mean, everywhere I was going, in the last two years, just for an example, multitudes of people would come up to me and, and share privately their account, or they would uh, want to talk to me later privately, which I did in many cases. Stan, let's do our break here. we got more to come with Stan Gordon and Gene and Randall. You're in. The Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. That's shop, S-H-O-P, super, S-U-P-E-R-T-T-E-A dot com. So the complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5 California time. That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100.
Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, one quick question I want to ask you here. Have you ever thought of taking a poll of people that you deal with, people you know, or people who visit your site, as to what percentage have actually seen something strange? I have never done a poll, but I know over the years at many of the big events I spoke at, I mean, people would ask the crowd how many people have seen things and how many people have seen things they've reported. It was amazing. I mean, just from the reports that I get alone, plus the many other researchers and groups that I know receive many, many reports, and you don't hear about them because there's no one depository for all these reports. You know, I, I hear all these different studies and reports come out based on one particular place, but they can't be accurate because they're not taking into account the multitudes of other reports that other sources are getting. This phenomena is so much more common than people realize. It's unbelievable. Like I say, everywhere I go, I run to people who have seen something or know somebody has seen something. It's just everywhere. And, and the details you get, it's just amazing the similarities of so many of the reports. That really begs the question, then, where's the physical evidence? You know, that scientifically valid material evidence that materials scientists, the hard scientists, not necessarily the social scientists or the cultural academics, but the ones that say, okay, I want to put it into a lab, I want to put it under a microscope, I want to analyze what's going on, you would think that by now, with that many experiences, we would just have a lot more evidence. So where is it? Where is it going, or why aren't we getting it? Well, you'd be amazed that it was. we seemed like we gathered a lot more physical evidence back in the 70s and 80s, maybe early 90s, than we've had in, in many more, in more recent years, because we're not getting as much as we did back then for whatever reason. Yes, we get photographs in, for example, of footprints, but over the years, we casted many different types of tracks. And we had various type of materials uh, that we recovered from different incidents over the years. We had labs examined. And a lot of these examinations, a lot of the analysis was interesting, but nothing that would prove was extraterrestrial or for something other than uh, from Earth-type materials. But they were oddities. And, and one example I'll give you goes back many years, 1972. In my silent invasion book, there's a picture of it. You'll see there was very interesting metallic material that we recovered. During that time, we were getting multiple reports for weeks and weeks from widespread areas of formations of luminous objects moving across the sky and at times some type of metallic material falling from the objects. So my teams got out there. And we recovered some of this material in the trees, interwoven in the grass. Some of them we found up in the mountains under heavy, under large, heavy power lines. And uh, we had various labs examine it. And it turned out to be almost 100% aluminum. Now, what this looked like, these, these were big clumps under electron microscope. There were like thousands of short strands of metallic material all interwoven together. And we knew what Air Force chaff looked like. It wasn't the same thing. Chaff is designed to separate and break up to cause uh, electronic interference or radar radio communications to disperse in the sky. This stuff came down in clumps for whatever reason. Well, the different labs examined the material, and we knew what it was made up of, but the mystery was nobody could identify 
where it came from, for what purpose it was made. So that's still kind of fascinating. And I heard other stories connecting similar materials. Even the late John Keel talked about finding some of this material in West Virginia other areas, too. He called it space grass. We called it space grass back in those days. I've had other type of interesting artifacts show up as well over the years. But once again, same thing. We were able to figure out what the material was it was made up of, but nobody can understand what the origin of the artifacts were, for example. And the footprints is something that's completely more interesting. And before I get into that, you know, you talked about the skepticism of, of the scientific community. I can understand that completely. And I dealt with that with a lot of people in my research groups over the years because a lot of these guys came in kind of open-minded but more skeptical, and some were more skeptical than others. But some of these fellows are still around today. And I can tell you, some of those guys and, and women who were involved in the group, we get out there, and over a period of months and years, as they began to interview the witnesses, they saw the physical evidence at the scene, they saw the patterns beginning to emerge, they began to realize something is going on, we just don't know what we're dealing with. Space grass, especially, <laughs> I mean, I can't resist, especially, you know, after smoking some of that space grass, you're going to, you're going to experience. <laughs> you see, that's instead of having a stargate, folks, you smoke some space grass and suddenly you're over at Alpha Centauri or something. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong here. I mean, I just like, thought that was funny and I couldn't resist, but I, I am a believer. I, I, I believe we, that alien visitation is real. Uh, when I use alien, like I say, I'm not certain that it's interstellar. Definitely there's something going on. People are having these experiences for sure. And yet we still have this mystery of why there's no material evidence. So it's, it's not that I'm being skeptical. I'm going, why? There must be an intent. Like what I can, the best I can figure, I don't know, what do you guys think? There's got to be an intent here on the part of the phenomena or whatever's behind it to keep that evidence out of our hands. They don't want us to have it. We have the trace evidence gathered by the late Ted Phillips. I haven't heard of anything being done with it that indicated anything that is out of the ordinary. So do you have stuff that indicates anything out of the ordinary, or is it we're always going to be destined to have the evidence that might prove something disappear? Well, all I can tell you, and I, I did know Ted well, but I did meet him at least once or twice, and it was, I know, I understand he passed away in the last two or three years, I understand, and I probably saw him, I'm just guessing, maybe seven, eight, nine years ago, and he was telling us at a, at a conference, and I was talking to him in detail, and he was talking about, as I remember, I'm pretty certain it was what he was dealing with, and I can't remember, somewhere out west, but he was dealing with an area where strange things were focusing on. The same thing I was dealing with up here. Thunderbird, uh, I remember a giant flying creature sighting, I believe UFOs, I think there may have been Bigfoot involved, I'm not positive. But he was dealing with the same thing and I've been dealing with for years. And this is going on all over the country, but you, people don't know about it. Yeah, everybody's heard about the Skinwalker Ranch. But what was going on here in Pennsylvania in the 70s was basically the same thing. And there are other locations around the country and around the world where this is ongoing. Now, here's the thing. You can have a sporadic incident where a Bigfoot, for example, walks out in front of a car or a UFO sighting, and people report these things constantly. But there's this other 
interesting part of the phenomena where whatever we're dealing with, at times, this phenomena seems to focus on a particular geographical area. So it might be, let's say, a farm. All of a sudden, phenomena will be, begin to take place. So you have these spheres of light, you have UFOs, you have screams and cries and weird footprints and Bigfoot sightings and paranormal phenomena, and this can go on for hours, days, weeks, months, or years. There's a particular property up in Fayette County, now it's been active for probably two, three years or more, where this is ongoing phenomena, and various people been up in a property and all confirmed seeing the same type of activity going on. There's other places. I can tell you 1979 into at least 1982 on the border of Westmoreland and Armstrong County in southwest PA, there was a series of incidents began with a, an object falling from the sky, rotating, fall, dropping from the sky into a field one afternoon, and soon after, the people around the area began to hear cries and howls, and then it began. The UFOs, the lights, the Bigfoot sightings, and then at the same time you were getting the Bigfoot sightings in the same area, you were getting a series of Black Panther sightings as well. I've been investigating the Black Panther sightings for years and years, right through this year, where we've had three daylight sightings in, in several months this year. So these Black Panther sightings, these aren't just like, you know, the black cat that crossed the road. I've heard that some of these seem to be like that. They're as big as they'll they'll cover a whole lane on the road. Like they're well, enormous. Well, we're talking about the animal you see in the zoo that people would consider being a black leopard or black jaguar, an animal not common as part of the country. And throughout the country and in other countries where these animals are not supposed to exist, they keep showing up. Like I said, I had three daylight sightings in different areas in the last several months, all very detailed reports. I mean, the one, I mean, this thing literally ran 10 feet in front of the person inside of a building out in the country in daylight, and they did find some paw prints afterwards, and uh, it's another whole mystery, but it gets much stranger because, one, and these, again, are details a lot of people don't know about. Let's find out those conditions in our next segment with Gene and Randall and Stan, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back. 
Because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-900-8407. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now, 1-800-900-8407. That's 1-800-900-8407. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Go ahead. Why don't you continue where you left off there? So uh, another interesting detail that I've been finding is that sometimes when you have this localized outbreak of phenomena of UFOs and, and Bigfoot sightings, you also have this outbreak of Black Panther reports. That series of events I was telling you about happened in the 70s and early 80s here in Southwest VA. That was actually picked up by the local TV and newspapers, and there was a huge amount of interest in it. And I can tell you, in the last few years, I've been up in those areas with other investigators where we're getting reports of Bigfoot sightings. We were out there and we're finding on people's private property in beautiful summer in the afternoons. There are people reporting big trees, healthy trees just falling and breaking. And we're finding healthy trees out there 10, 12 feet off the ground, completely healthy, no other tree damage in here. We're finding big, heavy branches just twisted and broken off. And it's not weather-related. I'm pretty familiar with weather phenomena and microbursts and things like that. There was no indication of any weather phenomena in the area. We're finding similar type of things in other areas where people are reporting the same type of thing. In the last few days now, in the last week, I've now interviewed, and these people have come to me, interestingly. I've interviewed three other people, probably within a couple miles of each other, who live in the same general area of the instance I just told you about happened in 7982, and this is ongoing right now. They're, they're still hearing things going on and having activity going on back in that area again. There are things going on out there that's going on constantly that we just don't hear, that people don't hear about. Okay, but now I'm going to be putting on my skeptic hat a little bit here because I, I think we have to. This is absolutely wonderful. I love hearing these stories. These anecdotal accounts are just amazing. I've had strange experiences myself. I know strange stuff goes on in the world. But in my study, at least on the UFO side, which I'm, that's more my thing is ufology than cryptids, we know that most of the reports are of something mundane. It's something that someone is mistaken or a misidentification, and people just aren't that familiar a lot of times with what goes on out in the woods. I've spent quite a bit of time out in nature. Uh, there's some pretty big animals out there that make some pretty weird sounds like moose, and they're in some of these areas. So unless you see it, you know, maybe people are just getting spooked by something that is perfectly natural in some cases. And I agree 100%. 
my position since the day I started out in the field in 1965 and working with all these research people over the years, our position and my position always was to try to find a logical explanation for what the person experiences. And the high percentage of times, whether it's a UFO sighting or a cryptid, there's very commonly an explanation for so many of the reports. UFOs, multitudes of misidentification. They go on and on and on, even today. A lot of reports in recent months have been the Starlink satellites. Planet Venus gets reported all the time when it's about uh, lights on aircraft, reentry of space debris, uh, meteors, uh, drones, sky lanterns. I mean, you go on and on and on. And so there's a lot of sightings like that. But I've investigated multitudes of incidents of large structured objects that are very close and times of some type of interference. Let, let me tell you another interesting case, just an example of what I dealt with. September 3rd, 1987, multiple witnesses, once again on a busy four-lane highway, actually in my hometown, several miles from where I live, what was then by the Green Gate Mall, and multiple reports, including from law enforcement who witnessed this as well, early evening, this object is coming across this uh, large area of uh, high-tension power lines. This object is about 300 feet off the ground, and the object itself is like a big, metallic, elongated, cigar-shaped object about 300 feet in length with multiple lights on it, completely silent. So this object is moving across the high-tension power lines across Route 30. On the other side of the road is a power substation. As this object is moving horizontally across the sky, it suddenly turns, this huge thing turns vertical in the sky. And when it does, all the power in the area goes out. And later when the engineers went to examine the annex behind the mall where the theaters were, they found all three of the master fuses in the circuit had been blown, something apparently is just unheard of, and there was concern over it. I mean, that's just an example of, of the one of probably hundreds of cases like uh, of low-level close-range sightings that I've investigated over the years. So, yes, there are multitudes of cases that you can explain. And even with Bigfoot, there have been misidentifications of Bigfoot. Some were bear. Some were very large, shaggy dogs. Some were guys in, um, in camouflage outfits. So there were different things that you could be sure they saw. But I've interviewed hundreds of people who have seen Bigfoot. And, I mean, I'm telling you, I've had people within feet of these creatures. Again, if you get out there and you see the human reaction, the emotion, probably about two years ago or so I interviewed some hunters who never believed these stories until they saw their own. And, these, I mean, one of those guys was almost crying in tears. I mean, his life was changed. His life was the woods. He said, oh, I'll never go back in the woods again. What would be so, so such a strong effect to cause him to change his lifestyle? And this is what you deal with all the time. Oh, the the woods are a pretty freaky place to be. Yeah, when you when you know that there is some strange stuff that goes on out there. Yeah, I've had, like I say, I've had experiences too. So definitely, you know, once you've had a couple of those, it's it's like, well, I'm not so sure. I really want to go camping. <laughs> um, Let me tell you something even stranger. So we're talking about cryptids. And there's a lot of things, I mean, it's, it's amazing, again, the things that I have to deal with and the public is dealing with. And it was back in the fall of 2017 when a series of very strange events of, of maybe kind of a newish cryptid, at least in this area, even though now we're hearing reports from across the country of something similar going on. Now, I haven't had any reports in recent months, but up to 
not too long ago, I was hearing other reports here in Pennsylvania, and other investigators were getting reports as well. But um, I may have heard a few somewhat similar reports, but not the detail I was getting until uh, August of 2017. And this came from a police officer on patrol. And he contacted me soon after it happened. And he was patrolling an area in southwest Pennsylvania, a rural area, that he was very familiar with. And he's riding down the road that evening, and he sees what appears to be a ball of light, a dull white light on the ground. And he stops his patrol car because he's thinking, I've never seen any artificial lighting, any kind of light like that around here before. So he stops there, he's watching this thing, and suddenly that ball of light rises up from the ground. And he realizes, he said that um, that it was uh, it was about 50 yards away when he first saw it. It rose up from the ground, and then he realized it was actually the head of a very strange being that looked to be at least six feet tall or, or larger. He said it was tall and skeletal thin. He said uh, he believed that the thing had been lying on its belly on the ground with its head facing the road when he first saw it. It then stood up facing the road, and in that dark area, he saw the dull light from the glowing head illuminating the upper section of the body. And he said the creature turned to the right. He said uh, that when it turned, he said to the left, and that it took off an incredible speed. And he said, I assume it ran, but he said, I, at that point, I couldn't see its legs. And he said, the, the speed of it was completely abnormal. He said, I never seen him move so fast in my life. Basically, what he said is, it was there and it was gone. And guess what? That's almost the same words we've heard some big, from Bigfoot witnesses, where these things suddenly appeared and disappeared. But anyhow, to go on with his report, he said the thing standing there, the head's about 8 to 10 inches in diameter, kind of shaped like a ball, but it may have been a little bit egg-shaped as well. The illumination from the head illuminated the shoulders, the top of the chest, and a section of the arms. He could not see its hands. The chest looked to be about 18 inches across. The waist appeared to be small. The arms were unusually long. The long limbs looked skeletal with no muscle mass, and the skin tone looked to be a dull grayish blue. He could not see any facial features at all. And when the thing took off, he pulled his patrol car up, put a spotlight on it. He saw no evidence of tracks or anything in the area. Well, that was in itself a very interesting report. It was probably about... Two, three weeks later, then I get a call from a, another witness. I can't remember exactly, 20, 30 miles away from that area. Let's do our break here. About that second call, we'll hear about it. With Stan, Gene, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Hello, Paracast people. I'm Greg Carlwood, the host of the Higher Side Chats podcast, an uninterrupted and action-packed interview-based show where I talk to some of the brightest minds for our troubled times about all things paranormal, occult, esoteric, and conspiratorial. After 10 years, we've heard it all. Alien moon bases, archons, hollow earth, technocratic and biomedical agendas, magic, mind control, and Lovecraftian monsters. Oh my. Usually, the first hour of the show is free, and the second hour is for members who sign up for the Higher Side Chats Plus at $8 a month. But praise be, we're giving Paracast listeners two free weeks of Plus when you use the all-caps coupon code PARACAST. Go to thehiresidechats.com, sign up with the code PARACAST, and dive into the nearly never-ending archive of great interviews I've been lucky enough to get over the years, from David Politis to David Icke, and many, many guests not named David. Check it out. You're going to love it. 
All right, Jane, was that good? Can we use that one? When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four-and-a-half to five-star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our made-in-the-USA microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra-large body wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay Wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part? Sunny Bay quality products start at under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Extend your life with Extendivite. Extendivite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. Nikki, great product. Have to try it for a few months to see results. After taking Extendivite for about six months, I have noticed improvement on the numbness of my hands and wrists from carpal tunnel. I will continue to buy the product. Ken Peaks, five out of five stars. Works as advertised. This formula is very powerful. Be careful to follow directions. I am feeling much better. My heart rate and blood pressure has stabilized and my lower edema has reduced. Lower leg pain due to blood clots has disappeared. Thank you. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Overs. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, Stan, we had to stop there. You're going to tell us about a second call about this incident? Well, something somewhat similar. I got a call from a person who lived way out the country, again, a rural area, and this person, and I've interviewed this person numerous times, including in recent weeks again, even though this happened back in 2017, this person observed this large disc-shaped object with multiple lights on it, making no sound, hovering over the area. 
And a short time later, they hear this incredibly bizarre screeching, screaming sound that they had never heard before. The person was familiar with the animals in the area, the owls, and they said this was much louder, stronger, and never like it before. And a few minutes later, it's just getting dark. It's getting about dusk. And in the distance, sees what she thought in the distance was a person approaching. But as it got closer, realized this was something much stranger. Uh, again, I believe around six or seven foot tall, very skeletal thin. Both of them were hairless. The first one, the place I am missing, hairless. It looked sickly to her. Saw no facial features that she could make out. But in this case, it looked like it had some type of an area of a little bit of a covering on it that was not real clear. And this thing got within about 25 feet of her, she said. And she said, oh, all of a sudden, she was overcome with this terrific fear. She couldn't move. And then finally, uh, she was able to move and run to her home. And she said it was, I believe, an hour and a half, two hours later, she looked outside and both the object and whatever it was was gone. But she said when she left, the, the UFO was still there. So that was going on at the same time that she was seeing this thing. Even more reports, different areas, different counties of people reporting. I had another fellow from Armstrong County who basically his home was in the woods. He lived in the woods. He worked in the woods. And this one evening, and that was probably around the same time period, or uh, maybe later, I think maybe around maybe November or something in the fall of 2018, I believe it was, yes. He's familiar with the deer in the area, of course, and he hears some kind of footstepping, and he thought it was very unusual the way it was moving. He went back down to his house, and he's sitting there in the kitchen. He's sitting at the table eating. Ten feet away is his big unobstructed glass door so there's no drapes on it and here's this similar really skinny bony hairless looking creature crouched down with glowing yellow eyes staring at him through the door looking right into his face he said went down to all four scampered around the house and that was the last he saw of it so these are the kind of reports that are coming in we've heard a couple reports where it had a glowing head we had some reports of glowing eyes and other cases where it was just the creature itself but we're hearing similar reports now from across the country of something similar being seen i was just listening and and being entirely fascinated by these stories i mean you're like a treasure trove of awesome sightings. Now, when you say that you're getting these reports, are you talking about that they're happening now, like right in 2020? Or are you still talking about back in the 70s? No, we're talking that those cases happened in 2017 and 2018, and we heard some reports in 2019. So this is all current phenomena. I mean, the Black Panther reports I'm telling you about happened in the last few months. There's been We had a Bigfoot sighting about September. Uh, September, no, uh, August 30th, in the afternoon, uh, this was down on the border of Pennsylvania and Maryland, and here again is a, a woman who didn't believe in Bigfoot. Her husband did. He was driving the car there just on a leisurely little sightseeing venture, and uh, what, what happened was uh, they're riding down the road, and it was a, a few minutes after she saw it that she said to her husband, I think I just saw a Bigfoot. And she went into great detail about it, and he said, well, why didn't you tell me when you saw it? She said, she said, I was sitting there looking at this thing. I was in such shock, I couldn't, I couldn't get a voice to come out of my mouth. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. She said, I never believed in Bigfoot. I believe it now. 
Okay, so the, oh, Black Panthers, though, okay, Bigfoot, that is kind of weird. But then there's these small ones. Like down in Florida, though, they've got a, there's been some primates that have escaped and they're out in the wild. They've been sighted in California, too. Like, do you think people might be mistaking, in some cases, some of these actually escaped primates from that people had had uh, at one time in, in uh, shows and then as and then they get at them as pets. You got these exotic pets. Uh, there's probably you know there's lions, there's tigers. There's a guy down there that he raises tigers, right? I mean, it's, maybe they just got out into the wild and they're just actual real animals that are now living in the wild. Okay, and, so you're talking about the black panthers now, and yes, that's something. When well, we've had these reports over the years, and there have been numerous reports. I, I'm working on a fourth book. That'll go into detail about a lot of these sightings we're talking about, and many more we're not going to be talking about today. We won't have time. And, again, there's that pattern sometimes of these things showing up in the same areas with Bigfoot. There have been cases across the country many people don't know about where more than one cryptid has been seen together. So there have been cases where the Bigfoot and the panther or Bigfoot and other creatures seen next to each other at the same time. And in the cases over the years when we've had sightings, uh, especially in some more of the uh, more populated areas of these black panthers, first thing was checked, was there any zoos, was there any uh, animal uh, places where they could have escaped from. And there's not that many in captivity anyhow, Pennsylvania, and nothing was ever missing. And, and I'll give you a good example. This was 1983 in a suburb of Pittsburgh. It actually made the news. It's in the major newspapers around the area. That morning, uh, a mechanic was working on a car. Now, what, what the story is, there's a big wooded area. There was a big fence that separated the big wooded area from this large auto dealership. Mechanics changing a headlight on a car that morning when suddenly this huge black panther dives over the fence, dives over the car he's working on, and lands a few feet next to him with a dead animal in its mouth. It's growling at him. It has an animal in his mouth. Um, he's looking right into it. He can smell it. He can hear it. And the thing turns around and jumps back over the fence. And a short time later, they see a large one and the big black panther. There, other people see it. They call the Pittsburgh police. That leads to a major search by the police and, and animal control people with tranquilizer guns. They searched and searched. And they never found the thing. Nothing was missing. One of my guys in my group was a, I believe it was a special forces tracker years and years ago when this happened. He went down and he followed the tracks for a while and then they lost the tracks. And again, nothing was there. But let me tell you another case I investigated, which was uh, in my last book. And this happened up in Fayette County again back in the 80s. And the details, what I remember, this fellow got home late from work one night. It was a cold night out in the country. His car was overheating. He needed to get some antifreeze. He went, he went into the garage to get some antifreeze. He came out, and he hears this growl. And he turns around, here's this large, like a large house cat, making a pretty good loud growl. He didn't pay much attention to it. He goes back to putting antifreeze in the car, and about a minute or two later, he hears a much louder growl, and when he turns, that black, black cat has physically grown maybe another foot. Let's just assume here it's not a werewolf. Guide to a break. Stan Gordon, more to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast.
Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. As expected, President Trump has chosen Amy Coney Barrett. The president has nominated me to serve on the United States Supreme Court. If confirmed, I would not assume that role for the sake of those in my own circle. I would assume this role to serve you. I would discharge the judicial oath, which requires me to administer justice without respect to persons. Do equal right to the poor and rich and faithfully and impartially discharge my duties under the United States Constitution. I have no illusions that the road ahead of me will be easy, either for the short term or the long haul. I never imagined that I would find myself in this position. But now that I am, I assure you that I will meet the challenge with both humility and courage. This is USA Radio News. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has lifted all coronavirus restrictions on bars and restaurants. That means they can open at full capacity in Florida, and counties are virtually powerless if they want to impose local restrictions. If a local restricts between 50 and 100, they've got to provide the justification. And they've got to identify what the costs are involved with doing that are. Until this announcement, local governments could go further in their restrictions compared to the state. A dad in the Bronx is being hailed as a hero. USA's Ken Burns explains. He shielded his three small children from gunfire at a local car dealership. 39-year-old Anthony Jefferson was looking to surprise the mother of his kids with a new whip for her upcoming birthday. According to a GoFundMe page, he lost his job due to injuries from that incident. That fundraiser has raised well over $100,000 as of Friday afternoon. For USA Radio News, I'm Kenneth Burns. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP 
is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Before we get on with the description, the Black Panther and everything, Stan Gordon, it almost sounds like with the size change and everything, like we're almost dealing with a sort of shape shifter. And that's what people are telling us. I mean, these things, again, at times, just like with certain types of UFOs, these creatures, even with Bigfoot, quite often they look physically solid, but in some cases they're not. We've heard cases where sometimes see, people see part of the body is solid, other parts is transparent or out of focus. Sometimes it's kind of misty or cloudy around it. I had cases back in the 70s where, for example, uh, up in Jamonville, uh, which, which has these big stone monuments. People were seeing these creatures standing, for example, by a monument. Instantaneously, it would physically disappear from there and reappear somewhere else. And we had reports of that from other areas. We've had cases of, of balls of light that have physically changed into creatures. And this, again, is all over the country and around the world. I mean, you talk to so many other primary investigators out there, like Nick Redfern for forever. Uh, he also has these kind of reports as well. He's had these reports for years and years as well. So it's not just me that's getting these reports. It's been going on for a long time, but so many people are reluctant to talk about them. Yeah, i got to love Nick Redfern, uh, you know, just – Fabulous investigator, writer, and uh, he's another guest we've got to get on in in the not-too-distant future. But you've also got more than just uh, books about cryptids and UFOs in general. You were kind of a specialist in the Kecksburg UFO case, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, That was like a major focus of one of your investigations. Yeah, I, w- I was a prime investigator of the case. I was 16 years old when it happened back in December 9th, 1965. And I started documenting it that night. It's breaking on the news. And I've been working on the case ever since. I mean, regardless of what the object was, it's still one of those cases that nobody can be sure what it was. And I keep an open mind to all possibilities. I mean, we could talk for days and days about the Kexper case, but I remember the night it happened very well. It was Thursday night, December night, 1965, and I was um, listening to a, a well-known talk show in the Pittsburgh area on KDK Radio. It was the Contact Radio Show, and the reason I was tuning in is because the person in charge of the show was uh, Mike Levine. He was the host, and unfortunately he's passed away. And he had a guest on his name was Frank Edwards, so you'll probably uh, recall who that person was. You so know, Frank I was actually a, was on a TV show with Frank Edwards when I was maybe that year or something like that. I was in my late teens or something like that. And I was placed there to ask him a question on behalf of Jim Mosley. And he answered the question, and then we started talking after the show. And I don't know when he died. It couldn't have been more than a, 
a year or so later. He seemed like a really nice guy. That's the reason I tuned in, because I wanted to hear what Frank Edwards had to say, because he was the guest and he was going to talk about his books. And pretty well, yeah, the- he, he had uh, he, classic, okay, Flying Saucers, Serious Business, Frank Edwards. And he was a broadcaster, right, too. Yes, yes in fact, I'm looking it up right now. Frank Edwards died June 23rd. June 23rd, 1967. So he yep. didn't even hang out to June 24th, unfortunately. No, and I was, uh, I was actually at that big UFO Congress in New York City uh, when all that was going on. But right. In fact, interesting here that... I actually helped Jim organize. Jim Mosley organized that conference. Yes. But then I had moved out of New York City, so I was not involved in the final preparations. And we had a whole story about that because I did travel to New York to attend it and did see many of the segments. And the biggest problem Jim had was to monitor the place for security to keep people from getting in there free. Yep. <laughs> That was a huge crowd. Oh, it was. And I think it was so big that within a year or two, Jim just couldn't handle it anymore. And he sold Saucer News to Gray Barker. But this was the beginning. This was the beginning and end for him as to a major participation. Obviously, he was involved in the field till the day he died. But that thing was just so draining. Anyway, so we started off here, all of this, uh, talking about the Kecksburg case, which uh, happened back in December 9th, 1965. So that's when Frank was still around, and you were saying how you were watching an interview with him about this. Yeah, well, actually, I was listening to it on radio, and actually, if you go through that Flying Saucer Serious Business book, there's actually a few paragraphs about the night he was on the radio on KDKA and the reports were coming in, what we're talking about. But anyhow, it was an interesting night. They were interviewing eyewitnesses. They were reading the newswire stories. They were just breaking, going across the country about it. As the evening continued on, it got much more fascinating because whatever the object was, this brilliant fireball that was seen from Ontario, Canada, over Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, it came in over the greater Pittsburgh area about 4.47 p.m. as it's getting dark. So there were multitudes of reports coming in from all over western Pennsylvania. And the object apparently fell into a wooden ravine near the lower village of Kecksburg in Westmoreland County, about 12 miles from where I live. And I, I wasn't driving yet. I had no way to get out there that night. So I'm running back and forth from the old console television to the radio all night trying to get the latest reports. But what got really interesting was when KDK TV was breaking in, that the, the military was arriving in the Kecksburg area to search for an unidentified flying object. And I stayed up all night trying to write down all the details. And early the next morning, I went to the local newsstand. I was hoping. I was hopeful that, gee, I hope it makes the news, and there he has headlines in all the local papers about the UFO in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. It made the national news, and our local paper was the uh, Greensburg Tribune Review, and had two editions. The early morning had Army Ropes Off Area, Unidentified Flying Object Falls Near Kecksburg, and there was a, a very interesting account that uh, apparently something had fallen into the woods, 
that the area was being cordoned off, that there were rumors there may have been radiation involved, so they weren't anybody near the object, that they were awaiting the arrival of civilian scientists and Army engineers to examine whatever it was. And uh, that was a fascinating story. Well, the later edition of the paper had a number of different stories about it, and the one that caught my attention was searchers failed to find object. Went on to say that, yes, the officials searched until the early morning hours. They found absolutely nothing, and the official explanation was that it was a bright meteor in the sky. People had been mistaken. Nothing had fallen to the ground. Officially, that's where it stands today. Well, I've spent years and years from the day it happened, so was it 54, 55 years later? On occasion, I'm still hearing little tidbits of information from people about the case. I tracked down hundreds of people who were involved. And it was over a period of weeks and months and many years that I tracked down all these different people. And at first, there was very little information to get. There were very few names out there. But over a period of time, I would hear from witnesses. I hear from neighbors or friends or relatives of people who were involved. And... I tracked down people who saw the object in the sky. I had people saw the people who saw the object came in very low over top of them before it fell into the woods. I talked to people who went down into the woods right after it fell and came across the object embedded in the ground. I tracked down many reporters who were there that night from all the major Pittsburgh radio, TV, and newspapers. Uh, I tracked down military sources, police authorities, and it's an amazing story. Yeah, well, weren't there uh, some – didn't the local firemen go out there because they thought there was, like, a fire, and they wanted to go out there and make sure that it didn't spread? And they, they went out, and one of the things I read about – I mean, there must be, I guess, a bunch of different accounts, but, I mean, that there was accounts from people who went out there from the fire department. You know, before we have the answer to the question, Stan Gordon, let's do a quick break, and we'll continue with Kecksburg and get on to other stuff. We have one regular segment left, but we'd like you to hang out for our After the Paracast podcast. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. We've all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam, meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial or call 877-878-4203 there's so much hand sanitizer on the market but beware not all hand sanitizers are created equal that's why you want to use 2020 safe hand sanitizer you can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients American made with American ingredients employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30 count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value free by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one liter bottle of high quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30 count bottle of immune booster valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout and the bonus is yours free 2020safe.net. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Just want to confirm that Stan will hang out with us for the After the Paracast podcast, which is part of the Paracast Plus package. For more information on the Paracast Plus, go to theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus. Stan Gordon is continuing our discussion now. Final segment of the main show. So much more to go. 
just before the break there, we um, got into the Kexberg case and some of the witnesses and, and one of the uh, documentaries on it that I, I had seen. And, of course, I've read a number of different accounts. And I've got a couple more questions about it, too. The local fire department was heavily involved in checking this out. Is that true? Oh, most definitely. And, and how, this, how the details go, and again, we can talk for days and days about this case, but that object, whatever it was, it came in from the greater Pittsburgh area, moved out into Westmore County, it passed over the city of Greensburg where I live, unfortunately I didn't see it, but as it moved out Route 30 eastbound, it turned to the south. And multiple witnesses, and all those little communities out there, Pleasant Unity and Marguerite and Norvelt, they see this object coming across the sky, moving out to the mountains of Laurelville. We are told that it kind of hesitated at the mountain, turned back and began to track back towards Kecksburg, made another turn, and dropped down into the Widow Ravine. And the witnesses that I talked to who saw the object go down said it did not come down like a crash at a high-speed descent. It came down almost like it was controlled. Some people said it looked like a small aircraft on approach to the airport. So it comes down into the woods. I call it a crash landing because it crashed through the trees and knocked trees over, but the object itself was semi-buried in the ground is basically fully intact, and there were no parachutes reported at the site. But to answer your question, if you weren't down at the site in the woods in the ravine, you could not see it from any of the roads around the area. You'd have to be right there looking at where this thing came down. So people were calling into the 911 center reporting seeing this fireball in the sky. Some people thought it was an aircraft in trouble or on fire. So the report was to the local fire departments of a possible downed aircraft in the Kecksburg area. But you had not only Kecksburg, you had multiple mutual aid fire departments that responded to that area. And they sent up a large search looking for a possible downed aircraft. Fire department members came in. They were going to set up a grid search. It was dark uh, that evening. And they left these guys off in trucks on the base of uh, the woods, uh, going up to the field towards the woods. And they had walkie-talkies. The one fireman who became a key witness, who was a young volunteer fireman, not from Kecksburg, he heard on the radio that another team found the object that had fallen. So they hurry over to this area and down in this little ravine on this little embankment, and these guys are standing around looking at this thing and realize this is not an aircraft. This is something unlike they ever seen before. It was a large metallic acorn-shaped object, kind of an off-gold bronze color, one solid piece of metal. He said it looked like somebody took liquid metal and poured it into an acorn-shaped mold. There's no weld marks, no seams, no fuselage, no windows. On the raised-up back of, like, the acorn, there were markings that looked more like symbols raised up off the surface. And he said while they're there looking at this thing, they were afraid to touch it. Here's two men in trench coats come down through the woods, and they look at the guys, they look at the object, and they said, this, this area is now quarantined, leave the area immediately. Right behind them are armed soldiers coming down through the woods. And he said, they were so close to each other, they shone their flashlight beams on each other as they passed. That's just the beginning of the story. And there were multitudes of stories of people who encountered the military around the scene that night and what took place. And we know the object was taken out of the area on a large military flatbed tractor trailer with a tarp over it. It went to Lockbourne Air Force Base near Columbus, Ohio, during the early morning hours of December 10th, stayed there a short time, then went on to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And that's where it ended up at, whatever it was. 
Well, I mean, so much for the idea that it's it's a meteor then. I mean, I know that there's astronomer skeptics who said that there was a meteor reported that night, but meteors just don't change direction a couple of times and then come in for a landing. Something that is kind of interesting is back in 2015, now you probably read this because this was out of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, someone there figured that maybe this thing, was a General Electric Mark II re-entry vehicle that had been launched by the Air Force as a spy satellite but fell out of orbit. Have you heard that one? I can tell you there have been multitudes of theories from the time it happened up to the last few years. That was the 50th anniversary, and after that time, since that time, I believe there have been four more other theories by other people who all believe their theories are correct, but they're all different. When you listen to the witnesses, when you listen to the data, a lot of people don't know all the details. There are certain details I still have never made public because I want more confirmation on it before I will confirm it. There were certain details that for years I was working on tracking down on the case, but until I had enough independent confirmation, I wouldn't publicly talk about it. One of those things was the fact that, one, there wasn't one military flatbed tractor trailer. There were two of them at the scene. And one of them went out earlier with a, a longer, lower load with a tarp, and then the one with the object, which was a vertical object covered with a tarp, went out during the early morning hours and went on to Ohio. So that in itself is interesting. There's a lot more to the story. Some of the witnesses looked at the picture presented and the information about the Mark II and, and other similar theories, and they all feel that that's not what they saw. Well, this is really interesting, super interesting, and we're going to continue with it into after the Paracast. Just before we get that far, how do you think that this maybe fits into the grand scheme, this sort of um, theory of everything when it comes well, to the paranormal? What are we talking about in general with UFOs and the cryptos we've been talking about? The whole thing. Can you just sort of sum it up briefly, and then we'll get into it in more detail in our next segment? Well, again, Kexburg we got to keep an open mind. There's different possibilities. It's not like a case where we had this large object seen by multiple people with a power failure. That's something very interesting and very unusual. There's many cases like that. Kecksburg, there's a lot of theories we may never know for sure. So not putting it out in the same category, except it's unidentified at this point, with a lot of the other very strange UFO cases I've looked into, the Bigfoot phenomena, I think the more and more you look at the details about it, that somehow this phenomenon is all energy-related, and somehow a lot of the phenomena somehow is interrelated. None of us have the answers to what's going on. I sure don't, but I'm telling you, it's much stranger than any of us understand right now. I, I wouldn't be surprised the government is familiar with some aspects of this as well, and I think they're finding also that we're dealing with something that is way beyond our understanding at this point. You know, I'm going to want to ask you about that in After the Paracast, about the government and, of course, about the Pentagon UAP task force. Definitely will be an interesting discussion to pick up on. So let's just begin to close it out here. If our listeners have more interest or questions with regard to what you do, where do they find you? Uh, yeah, they can go to my website, which is stangordon.info, stangordon.info. Uh, my books and my expert documentary are available uh, through Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. My contact information is available on my website. My email is paufo at Comcast.net. Oh, Comcast. They give us trouble sometimes in getting email to them, but we'll make a note of that. 
Comcast.net. We'll have Stand Back, by the way, on After the Paracast, which is an exclusive feature of the Paracast Plus. We offer the After the Paracast podcast special version of this show that is free of the network ads and enhanced audio quality. We also have branded merchandise at the Paracast.shop. So the Paracast.shop, where we have four different logos to check out, by the way, different kinds of merchandise, the logo, and then you get the same selection of merchandise with each logo so you can mix and match and get all four or buy everything if you want, the Paracast.shop. And if you want to sign up for the Paracast.plus, I want to mention that we have a special, special price reduction that's going to stay with us pretty much as long as the pandemic is hurting everybody. That's the Paracast.plus. You can also find us on Facebook, by the way. If you look for the Paracast, we have a community. We have a group. We're also on Twitter, at the Paracast. Stan Gordon, you are a treasure, sir. And we're going to have more conversation with you on After the Paracast. Thank you for joining us this week. Thanks for having me on again. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.